Blog Talk Radio. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm Betty Jo Tucker, your host, and today we're kicking off Horror Movie Month at Movie Addict Headquarters with a tribute to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, I can't think of a better way to begin this special month than by talking with one of the stars of that wonderful, bizarre cult classic, No wonder I'm so happy and honored about Barry Bostwick being here to share his Rocky Horror experience with us. But first, I want to tell you about some of his amazing accomplishments in addition to playing that naive Brad back in 1975. Barry originated the role of Danny Zuko in Greece on Broadway, and his credits also include over 80 film and TV performances. He may be best known for playing the clueless mayor in Spin City, but he earned his Golden Globe Award as Best Supporting Actor in the War and Remembrance miniseries, and he played the title role in George Washington, another acclaimed miniseries. You know, the first time I saw Barry Bostwick, he was portraying a wannabe songwriter in Movie Movie, and he simply knocked my socks off with his talent as a singer, dancer, and actor. Needless to say, I've been a fan ever since, and he's still going strong with regular appearances on Law & Order, Special Victims Unit, and in films such as the recent Evening and Nancy Drew. Hi, Barry. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters. Well, thank you, Betty Jo. Pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Well, we certainly have. Uh, It's so great to have you here, and thanks for agreeing to take some call-ins later in the show. I'd like to remind listeners about the number to call in. It's 646-478-5668. That's 646-478-5668. Five six six eight. But my first question, Barry, is how did you manage to get the role of Brad Majors back in 1975? Well, you know, these kind of things, they sometimes they just sort of happen organically. I had been doing <clears throat> a lot of Broadway musicals, and so I was sort of known for being the sort of musical comedy boy uh, in the early 70s. That was right after Grease in 72, 
Well, and did you I, win a Tony for one of those musicals? I did a Tony. I got a Tony two years later for a musical called The Robber Bridegroom in 1977. Right. So it was uh, it was uh, during this sort of period and of of my really heavy involvement in musicals and um uh, and I just went and auditioned for it like everybody else except interestingly enough Susan Sarandon and I auditioned together. We oh. were called in together, we read together, we sang together and we got the job together. And <clears throat> I guess they sort of had paired us up before we even auditioned to, you know, she had quite a, a resume of films already. I, I was somewhat new to the film business, having come from the stage more. Well, the two of you just looked so great together. I can see why why you were picked as uh, as Brad and Janet. What was it like to work with Susan Sarandon? Oh, she's a real pro. I mean, not only that, she's just the smartest person in the world and, and was um, uh, so available to learn some new things. I mean, she had really never sung before, and uh, she just worked so hard to uh, um, uh, get up to speed with all of that. And um, But, you know, her charm and her beauty just carried her through all of that, and she and she exceeded uh, and succeeded. And, and she was, um, um, you know, she, she's, I keep on saying she's so smart and she's so dedicated and uh and has a great sense of humor that it, it it made it made what could have been a very rough time you know very enjoyable. Well, I that's what I wanted to ask you about because I know we had we had talked uh before uh for another uh article that I was writing and you talked a little bit about some of the obstacles that you faced while while filming uh could you tell our listeners a little bit about that well it was constantly raining uh it's a you know it's a very low budget film i think it was made for under a million dollars which is sort of unheard of these days uh not that it hasn't generated you know a hundred times that or 300 times that since it's been released but um so therefore it was really a low budget low low you know rent kind of you know endeavor for the producers, they had done the the original show on stage in London and in Los Angeles, and they just sort of wanted to get it on film and and do something that just sort of put it all to bed. You know, they had been with the show for so long. Tim had been with it for a long time, and um, and so we were shooting on sound stages that didn't have toilets, and shooting in the old castle that had holes in the roof. The roof was falling in, and. <laughs> You know, we were it was always Frankenstein's castle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, the Hammer film, Hammer horror movies, use this old manor house or castle, which is right across the field from Bray Studios, where we had a sound stage with our main set set up. And so, when we wanted to do anything that was inside of the castle, we just sort of trekked across the field into this old broken down house, and uh, we had to sort of stay on the first floor because if you went any higher than that, you got drenched from the rain coming through the holes in the roof. Oh no! And so that... yeah, so Susan came back with pneumonia. I oh. was uh, I was pretty much just wet the whole time. And uh, um, but you know what? It 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 I'd never been to England before, so it was it was it was opened my eyes up to a whole new world of of people and things and. Uh, uh, and ways to spend my money, the little money I had. <laughs> so 
So in spite of the obstacles, you had some enjoyable experiences while while filming the movie. Oh, I had a great time. I I, I think I discovered flea markets when I was in London. That <laughs> that trip. Uh, every weekend I was down at some Bermondsey market or something, you know, buying little trinkets and this and that, and uh, uh, it was um, it was a great time. It was just it was just a great time, and we worked hard. I mean, we worked very very hard on that movie. Well, it certainly showed in the in the result. What's your favorite scene in the movie? Uh, wow, my favorite scene in the movie was probably a scene that was cut and then put back in in a later version. A uh, song that I sang in the bedroom was uh, Frankenfurter. Um, and uh, uh, it was like post-sex post sex with him. And I had this song, and uh, and it was just sort of in the wrong place in the film. Uh, it, it stopped the action, and I understood why they cut it in the final edit, because uh, uh, the movie was really pushing forward at that time, and it sort of s- stopped everything cold in its tracks. But it's on one. It's on the newer uh, releases of it as a sort of addendum, and uh, uh, it's really quite good. So it's in the DVD versions that are out now. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know if it's been edited into the actual place or if it's something that's been added on at the end, uh, just as a curiosity, you know. Well, did you have any idea when you were making this film? Uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry to stop you. The, the other thing I really oh. enjoyed was oh. uh, was the makeout scene in the in the pool, where everybody was uh, dressed up in uh, bustiers and and uh, uh, and high heel shoes, and we all jumped in the pool and uh, were uh, fondling each other. <laughs> well, I guess you would. I love that, and, I, and, I, and that that became a problem because when you get out of the pool, we had to sing a song and do a floor show dance routine, and we were all just wet, slippery, and uh, you know, d- dancing's hard enough, but try to do it in six-inch spike heels, you know, on a wet floor. Now you have have respect for Ginger Rogers, right? Oh. Totally. <laughs> well, I my favorite, of course. I, I am an avid musical fan, and I just absolutely loved the time warp, the routine to let's do you know, and let's oh, do the yeah. time warp again, and the and the lyrics and everything. But did you have any idea that this movie would become such a cult classic? No, I mean I don't even think cult cla- cult, cult things didn't really exist at that time. This sort of uh, uh, you know, created a whole new genre. I mean, I think Pink Flamingos was out or something, but uh, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, it was discovered by the fans, created by the fans, and became a spectacle because of the fans. Uh, we just thought we were making another sound of music. You know, we, <laughs> yes. we just didn't. We just didn't. Uh, we just thought we were making another film, just another musical film, and. Nobody could have anticipated the the edge uh, that it developed uh, in the public's eye, and uh, the and the way it just sort of caught on, like you know, like a like a brush fire from coast to coast, meeting up in Kansas City somewhere a few years later, um, and uh, you know, it, it to me, it, it we we were just having fun, and and I think it shows. Well, it does show uh, in up there on the screen, and I remember that uh, Susan Sarandon 
said that this is the only one of the many films that she made that she thinks will be in a time capsule. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and I was wondering, where where does Rocky Horror Picture Show rank in your list of career achievements? Uh, you know what? It's one of those sort of sidetracks, one of those uh, um, sort of alleyways that a career goes down, and, and it, it hits the end of the alleyway, and then you sort of turn around and come back, but it doesn't really lead anywhere because it's such a one-off. It's such a unique experience. You know, I mean, I didn't, after the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I didn't go out and do four other, uh, you know, musicals about transvestites. No. <laughs> They're just, they just weren't out there, you know. So, And uh, it was, uh, it, it, to me, it was, it's a, it's a, I'm very proud of the work. I'll always be, uh, uh, amused by it, and certainly I'm uh, appreciative to the fans who keep it alive year after year after year after year after a year, you know. And uh, I'm, uh, and I wish I could do something else like it, you know. Um, oh, I I wish you could too. Uh, I'd be first in line, I think. And you know, this I really think that this movie deserves its uh, cult following because. Just it's it's really there's a lot beneath the surface in this mm-hmm. film, and of course I love the all the outrageous costumes and the makeup and the unusual music, but it seemed to me that it was kind of exploring the feeling of being different and the the pain that goes with that with that feeling. It just it's it was kind of melancholy in a way too. So it had more going for it, I think, than than just uh, being bizarre and uh, and outrageous. And, of course, I'm just under the spell of that uh, Richard O'Brien yeah. music, especially especially the, the time warp. Well, well, you know what? Let me just ask you. I mean, the, the, pro, the thing I, I, I think is one of the reasons why it, it took off is because of exactly what you're talking about, you know, these sort of disenfranchised kids who had no place to go on Friday night and... and, and you know, maybe there was five of them in every little city around the country who felt like they just didn't belong anywhere. And they created a place for them to belong. They created their own society. They created their own friendship. They created their own party every weekend. You know, they created a place for them to act out and and be who they thought they were, you know, and who they think they were inside and uh, in, in a safe environment where they wouldn't be... Uh, mocked or belittled, uh, you know, I mean, outside. It, it was, uh, to me, it, you're right, there is a, there is a melancholiness to it. I mean, look at the last scene of the, of the, of the movie, you know, we're, we're, we're groveling around in the mud and the, in the dust and, and uh, uh, it, there's, yeah, I think there's, it, it works on so many levels. It certainly does. And, I'm just so sorry that I'm, I've missed any of the midnight shows where uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show has played, and, two, and, and uh, you know, one of those parties that you're talking about, because that must have been so much fun for the people taking part in it. So well, maybe was, I can catch one out here yeah. in the sticks. <laughs> well, that's that's really what you know what it is. I mean, it's that's that's what made it what it what it is. I, I mean, I think if you didn't first see it in the theater with a cast of kids you know playing the movie in front of the movie and all of that you really miss the experience of the rocky horror picture show uh you could take the tape and go home and play it and enjoy it you know on 
on just purely a filmic level, but it's it's really a happening. It's really an exper- experiential. Yeah. You, you had to become part of it uh, to to totally get it. I think, and that's why it has it has so many fans. I I think it's. Um Time now to check with uh, my helpful producer, Nikki Starr, to see if we have any callers. And by the way, Barry, Mm -hmm. Nikki is also a big fan. (laughs) Oh, Nikki, hi. Hi, Hi. Nikki. Hi. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Yes, I am. I am a big fan. Well, thank you. Very big fan. And we actually do have a caller. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you for holding 512. You are on Movie Attic Headquarters with Barry Bostrick. Hi, this is Sunny Goodman. Hi. Hi. Hi, How are you? Fine. I have another blog talk show. Nikki and I have been talking on the chat room. Barry, I just love you. Oh, well, thank you. And I have loved you for 30 years. <laughs> Welcome to the club. And you're only yes. 30. And you're only 34 years old? That's it. I went when I was four. No, I uh, went there when I was about 26 or older uh-huh. than that, and I worked in a psych unit as a nurse. Oh, wow. And we got off, and we went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show in San Diego. Oh, my god! And it was just bizarre. <laughs> and I thought I went from one psych unit to another. <laughs> <laughs> and how many people from the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show ended up in your psych unit eventually? <laughs> I, can't, I don't think that there was an estimate on that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to say I really like you. I have another... Uh, blog talk radio show for erotic writers. Oh my gosh. So uh, I just thought it was more of an erotica movie than it was uh, a horror movie, really. Yes, I know. I think you're right. I mean, it was really pushing the pushing the envelope there, wasn't it? It was wonderful. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you after all these years, my Brad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, it's nice to talk to you, too, and thanks for the compliments. Okay. Well, I'll let somebody else talk to you so they get just as excited as I am right now. Oh, All well, right. tweet of you. Thank Bye. you so much for calling. Bye-bye. Thank you, Betty Jo. And we do have another caller. Okay. Great. Thank you for holding 806. You're on the Hi. air. Hi. Hi. Who's calling, please? My name's Annette. Um, I'm also another host on Blog Talk Radio. I just had to call in and say hi to Barry. I do have a couple of questions for you. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I wanted to know, I was curious if you guys knew about the phenomenon of the movie with the people standing up and acting it out at the time, and if you ever snuck into one to see what it was about. Once that took off a few years after we made the movie, uh, you know, the movie was a huge failure when it first came out, and then it was rediscovered by the fans, and then then this sort of whole party atmosphere was created. And and I was very curious, and so I went into uh, New York, and, well, I was living in New York at the time, but I went and saw it and sat in the back, and uh, nobody recognized me, so I was able to really see over a period of time the sort of growth of the audience participation um, all the way up until when an actual album was made of all the shenanigans that went on in the audience as opposed to what was going on on the screen, which was in many ways more fascinating to me because I knew what was going to be on the film. But what what was constantly surprising was what people were yelling out at the film. (laughs) And uh, and they weren't always complimentary to me. (laughs) Right. 
the only things I really remember, because I never got to experience that. I was a little young when the movie first came out, and uh-huh. uh, and uh, not that I'm young now, but <laughs> um, but I remember seeing it in the movie Fame, yeah, where they talked about where they went and saw it and and did all that, and they're like, kick it, kick the tire, and then you kick the tire in the movie and uh, stuff like that, but. The other question I have for you is kind of a stupid one, but I was just wondering how you enjoy dressing in drag and doing all that stuff. Dressing in <laughs> drag, uh, I think that uh, at the, I would think I would enjoy dressing in drag at any age. I just, <laughs> just like most like people like to dress up for Halloween. Right. Actors, actors, just we dress up for a living. Whether I'm putting a suit on or whether I'm putting on culottes and a you know, a pink sweater. Um, it's just, it takes me away from my mundane uh, daily existence and uh, lets me fantasize and uh, create, uh, you know, somebody unique and new for myself. And uh, um, for for actors who have multiple personalities, which most of us do, it's a, it's a perfect way to act it out. And um, uh I wish I had held on to some of those uh, costume pieces. I probably could become quite rich on eBay at the moment if I still had my my stiletto heels. But uh, who knew? (laughs) Who knew? Okay. Uh, Well, thank you so much for answering my question. Well, thank you for asking. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we have another caller. (laughs) Great. Thank Hello. you for holding. Thank you for holding 201. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. This is Alan Levy. How are you? Hi, Alan. This is Rick Bostwick. Mr. Bostwick, this is Blog Talk Radio CEO Alan Levy. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Nice, uh, welcome to uh, the Blog Talk Radio Network and Betty Joe's show. It sounds great. Oh, good. Nice to have your, your fans calling in. But I have to say that when I saw that you were on the uh, – the banner and coming on the show, I, I was I grew up in, in Long Island mm-hmm. and in the seventies. I graduated high school in seventy seven and at Uniondale I lived ten minutes from Uniondale and that was the Rocky Hara that's where it started, I think. One of the places. I don't know about that's in LA right. but in New York, right? You were prime meat. Prime it was every Friday night at midnight we were online waiting and just that's where we that's where we went. That was our Friday night. In did, you, Long, did, you, did you dress up? Did what? you dress up? No, I, I I was I was more in overalls and doing other things. I didn't dress up. You're a chicken. Uh, I was throwing stuff though. I was good at throwing. I didn't dress up. But <laughs> there was plenty of people though that were dressing up, and uh, it was just the place. You know, we would go there. It, it was really a, a weekly thing. It was incredible. That it was so much energy there. It's incredible. That was at Uniondale. Uh-huh. As you recall, I don't know if yeah. you guys must have done some some shows there or something too, or visited that place. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The uh, did you did you yell back at the screen? Yes, yeah. We all yelled at the screen. We knew the words. I mean, this was honestly it was a weekly thing, and uh, it how was many times just, would you say you saw it? Fifty. <laughs> wow. Fifty uh. times. <laughs> uh. I mean, at least fifty. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a whole it was it was it was. It was the social, it was either, you know, you go to the con- a concert or you go, uh-huh. if you're not going to a concert at, in Uniondale at NASA Coliseum, then you go to Rocky Horror and you get there 
at 11, you wait online, everyone's hanging around doing their thing, you see the movie, and then you're at the diner after. I mean, that was funny. It was, that's really one of the early places where Rocky Horror became, you know, this uh, had this identity. Was there, a right? cast, was there a cast doing the show in front of the movie? You know, a few times they did, and there was a few, few of the people that would, would come in and they were dressed up in full garb, and they would go up into the front of the audience in the, in the, the stage, and they would go and either do some stuff before the movie, or they would certainly walking up and down the aisles during the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it hadn't really taken off yet where they had organized this sort of show in front of the show yet. No, no. This yeah. is really when, I mean, I don't know, when did, it, did the movie come out? Around 75? 75, yeah. Yeah. So this was 76. So 75, it was still very fringe, of course. It was on mm-hmm. the outside, on the edge. But this Uniondale Theater was the only place in Long Island I think it was playing. Wow. It was there, and I think it was at the Waverly in New York City. I think it had, it had started in the city, and it worked its way out to the island. And then... Uh, it just caught on, you know, and just started traveling around and uh, became the sort of hip and interesting and, uh, you know, happening thing to do. Right, yeah. But thank you for being part of the of the whole Rocky <laughs> Horror experience. And yeah, well, it was the formative, uh, look, formative years of my life, but it was uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, Did it warp you in any way? <laughs> I, I survived that. Uh, yeah? I wasn't, you know, there were some people that were deadheads in, those, in that era that would go to 50 dead shows and... And, and they was everything the dead. They had to travel everywhere. I mean, I wasn't like that with Rocky Hard. Just I grew up in Long Island in Nassau County, mm-hmm. and it, we had we didn't have a lot of things to do. But Rocky, that's where everyone congregated, so we went there, and so therefore we got to see, you know, the movie. You know, I, I attended it 50 times. I'm not sure how many times I got through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, so. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad you're on the network and enjoying uh, Blog Talk Radio. And, and Betty Jo, thanks for your sh- your time. Oh, thank you. thank you. This has just been such a treat for me, and I really appreciate you calling in, Alan. Well, my pleasure, and enjoy. Have a thank good you, day. Alan. Thanks, Bye-bye. Alan. Bye-bye. And that's all the callers. We have four minutes left. Well, weren't they wonderful? Yeah. Thank you so much. You I mean, it was... So many, many fans. And now, Nikki, I think you said that you had a question, too, when we were talking earlier. Well, I have a couple couple of them, but most um, I have some questions in the chat that I'd like to get to him. Some of the fans want to know if you if you have any pictures from when you were on the set. Do you keep any? Did you keep any photographs from when you were on I the set? I keep looking for them because I'd like to. I'd like to get a make a picture book or something of this sort of backstage thing, but I can't find any. Um, that wasn't the time in which digital cameras. If we had digital cameras, there'd be more pictures, you know, than you could you could ever possibly sell. But uh, we, I had a, I have a few, but nothing that that's uh, you know that's that unique. Um, I've got one of us standing in a in a drying booth after one of the uh, scenes in the pool, after the booth had just caught on fire. Uh, we had a fire on the set and almost burnt the whole set down because oh. the heat, heaters got too close to the walls in this little room that we would go in to heat to, to sort of warm up because the pool wasn't heated or anything, and it was the middle of winter. And um, uh, I have a picture of that and uh, a few others, but, no, I wish I did. I, You know, probably I had more, and, they, and who knew what the show was going to become, or I would have saved them all and right. archived. Hindsight, yeah, hindsight's 20-20. Yeah. And then I, have, I just have a confession 
uh-huh. and make. Um, <laughs> that that Rocky Horror Picture Show gave me a fetish for men in bustiers oh. and nets. Yep, that's <laughs> me my whole life too. And, so and yeah. How do you and how do you find men to do that? How do you <laughs> well, convince them to do it? <laughs> It's a secret. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all about trade. <laughs> it's I all about see. trade. But, I yeah, I have, I have fond memories, and it's a great one of my top ten movies. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, th- th- I think the really interesting thing about it is that everybody has some kind of of a memory about it. It's like not a lot of movies do you carry something with you into your future, you know, going, oh, I remember that Friday night or those. 50 Friday nights, you know, it's, uh, you see a movie and you just sort of say, oh, that would entertain me for the time that I was there. But this was about adolescence. This was about changing of your, of your whole personality. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, people, well it was, said, well, well said, Barry. You know? It's really a, a special, unique, uh, experience as well as a movie, but my, Goodness, I hate to be the party pooper. It's oh. astounding. Time is fleeting. Oh. And we're almost out of time now. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much, Barry, for Well, all I can say is just don't dream it, be it. Exactly. <laughs> it exactly. sure meant a lot to Nikki and me as well as to your other fans and the people who love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, thanks so much to Nikki for, for helping out today. This is Betty Jo Tucker giving up. astounding time is fleeting madness takes its toll but listen closely not for very much longer I've got to keep control Sensation. 